Amen? All right, 12 steps to a good year. Again, we've been taking this out of Hebrews. Um, been looking at the scriptures that say, let us, not let us, but let us. Um, kind of feel like it's a command. I'm kind of rethinking this whole thing about how God's called us to move. What'd you say? Yeah. But wasn't you? Oh. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> Completely called you out right there. Um, but let us. That, that means do something. That means get going. What, what does God say for us to do? I'm going to recap again from the last few weeks. Let us fear. Let us be diligent. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. Let us press on to maturity. Let us draw near the most holy place. Let us hold our, fast our confession without wavering. Let us consider one another. Let us run the race with endurance that's set before us. And let us show gratitude. And I want to encourage you through the week... Have a scripture, have something to do every day. Don't go through your day hoping you stumble into what God has for you. Get in the word, find something there to walk out every day. And I feel like th these 12 steps have been great um, steps for you to take each day. So it may, maybe you just take one of these. Let us show gratitude and I'm just going to show gratitude today. I'm just going to be thankful. I'm going to hold fast to my confession. I'm going to make sure that what I'm speaking out of my mouth lines up with what God says over me. That I'm going to draw near to the throne of grace this today, this week, asking the Lord for grace, coming near to the throne of God. He's given us this access. But don't go through your day. You're going to see from this one today that if you don't make it a point to seek after God's will, after God's heart, you can easily get off. Easily. Today, step 11. Let us go out to him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 says this, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him. Outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. So what I'm grabbing from is let us go out to him. And this passage in Hebrews 13 deals with our attitude and our relationship to this present world. It's telling us that our home is not in this world. We do not have an enduring place in this earth that we're on. And the world rejected Jesus. They drove him out of the city and crucified him outside the gate. And scripture made it very clear that the crucifixion was not in the city. It was outside the city, outside the city walls. He was rejected. He was put out of society and the world did not want him. And we know that the way that the world treated Jesus sooner or later in one way or another is going to be the way the world will treat you and me as believers. We must be willing to go out to him, to that place of crucifixion, to the place of rejection and shame bearing his reproach. In Hebrews, it tells us elsewhere in Hebrews, says that the reproach of Christ is greater riches than all the riches in Egypt. 
Then the writer of Hebrews goes on in the next, uh, the last verse that we just read here. It says, um, let me just bring that up. We just read it. For here, we do not have a lasting city. Now, other people may think that this is permanent, but we know that it isn't. But we are seeking the city which is to come. And, I, you know, I like that translation that says, the city. Because there is one particular city, which is the destination and home of all true believers. And that is where we really belong. But two chapters earlier in Hebrews 11, we see kind of an honor roll. Uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us an honor roll, kind of an honor roll of the saints that went before us emphasizing their faith. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 13, it says, All these, all these heroes in the faith, died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. Verse 15. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went, out, from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, you know, you probably need to go back and reread this. It, it, it starts to all blur together, but it's very... Um, very important what, what the Word of God is telling us here. And I'm gripped by the words that's spoken about these forerunners in the faith who are our examples in so many ways confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth, that they didn't really belong, that the earth wasn't their home. It says they were seeking a country to call their own. And you know, those words have such poignant meaning uh, to me. Um, I, you know, I believe that there are refugees in our world today and in previous generations that went through the agony of not belonging, having no permanent place of their own. And we see in Hebrews chapter 11, we're seeing a place, these people were seeking a place of their own, but it's not in this world. And it says if they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the place that they came from. Abraham, for instance, left home took up everything. God told him to leave, take his family and leave. But he could have returned back to Ur of the Chaldees from where he came. But he set his mind forward. He set his mind forward. You remember from Sunday, uh, I talked about we cannot live in the past. If you, if you are always focused on the past, that's where you're going to stay. You've got to move on. You've got to go forward. God does not move from the past. He moves forward to the future. He's got something new for you. It's not in your past. It's in your future. We have to move forward. We have to press forward. Abraham could have gone back. And so many times we see people that walk with Christ quit. Basically fall off the wagon and just give up. And it's easy to do. But we cannot do that. We, if you remember from uh, Sunday morning, pressing on. Pressing on with endurance to run the race. Pressing on is going forward. It's not going backwards. It's not quitting and returning. It's going forward. 
forward march. They were seeking a place of their own. They desired a better country that is a heavenly one. And then comes this awesome sentence. I think I still have it up there. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. When we truly identify ourselves with God, then his city and his preparations for us, he is proud to be called our God. He is preparing a city for us. But this commitment, if you remember from the first scripture I read, requires a commitment to the cross of Jesus Christ. We have to go out to him to the place where he was crucified. And this commitment to the cross rules out two pursuits, and that is pleasing self and also pleasing the world. I want to give you a New Testament scripture about pleasing self. It's from Philippians. Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I'm often told you, many, for many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Now, if you didn't catch this, I think it's very clear if you'll go back and reread, Paul is talking about people in the church. He's not talking about heathens and unsaved people. He's talking about people in the church. In following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. That's who he's talking about. For many walk, but they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you catch that? And Paul is warning believers against them. He said they claim to be followers of Christ, but they are enemies of his cross. They are indulging self. Their mind is set on things of the world. The principle of the cross of death to self and to the things of the flesh have never been applied to their lives. Let me just say, uh, I think especially in these last days, the church has to have wisdom and discernment. In the church. Um, we've seen in scripture where it talks about wolves and sheep's clothing. In the church. Um, kind of had, I don't know who I, I've, I've had a few meetings this week and I don't remember who I was talking to. I really think it was my wife. Um, but we are called to war and there are giants in the land and we cannot just pray and pray that they go away. Nope. The Lord has equipped us to slay the giant, but we have to slay it. You've got sin in your life. You need to slay it. You've been given the power to stomp on it, so you need to do some stomping. The God of peace has placed Satan under your feet. Amen. That means I have to stomp on him. So we have these enemies in front of us, and I, you know, we, I, 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 I'm all for prayer. If my, I would th hope that my staff would say over the last few months, it's been a lot about prayer. You need to be praying. We need to be in the word. We need to be praying. We need to be filled with the spirit. And we need to be unified. 
Now, we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to do stupid stuff. We're going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and do something wrong and make some mistakes. But are we together? If, we're, if, if us being together is questioned, we're in big trouble. If you're not in the Word, we're in big trouble. If you're not filled with the Spirit, we're in big trouble. If we're not praying and praying for one another and praying for you, we're in big trouble. Church, if y'all aren't praying and in the Word and full of the Spirit and together as a family, you're in trouble. Get in the Word, get in the Spirit, get together. What did I leave out? I said four things. Prayer. Prayer, spirit, word, unity. As long as we have that, there's no need to run. No need to run. Actually, we need to run to the problem and go deal with it. And y'all, y'all know I love this picture. Chop Goliath's head off and run around. Show everyone the sword in the head. Look what God did. He, he's dead. He's not coming back. What are you battling? Get after it. Get after that thing. Have you ever had a dog come on your property and he won't go away? You got to go get after it. And you're kind of thinking, I hope he doesn't turn on me, but he's got to go. My kids are wanting to play in the yard. And I can get as country as anybody yelling at a dog. And it takes that. This is in the church. Paul said, be careful. Don't follow their example because their end is destruction. People who profess Christ but reject his cross. So let's look real quick at these two areas. uh, Pleasing the world and pleasing self. Um, We just looked at pleasing self. Let's look at pleasing the world. James in James chapter 4 verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? (laughs) That's to the point. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is very plain language. Unfortunately, I think it's too plain for some people. Why does James call such people adulterous? Because when we give our hearts to Christ, it is a spiritual commitment that qualifies us to become his bride. And when we share the bride with anything other than with Christ, it's an adulterous relationship inappropriate, wrong, leading to destruction. Can you see how the adulteress is compared with the church as the bride? And we can, we, we can sit in here and do a great church service, but if we're loving the world through the week, the, the reflection of you outside of church is more of a reflection of the church than it is when you come in here together and raise your hands and sing a song. Now, think about that one for just a minute. Who you really are, who you really are outside of church is what the Lord's looking at. We can come in here and have a good time. 
But Paul is saying, and now James is saying, uh, because you're a part of the group doesn't necessarily mean you're going in the right direction. Because you come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays doesn't qualify you. You have to take on the cross. You have to take on what Jesus walked through and make sure you're with him outside of the city. Kind of pretty deep, isn't it? The spiritual commitment. If our commitment and devotion are infiltrated and adulterated by the love of the world, then we are spiritual adulterers, not faithful to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. To be friendly with the world is to be spiritually adulterous. John 15 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do, do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, we don't want to be hated by men. You know, I want to have relationships. I don't want everyone to hate me. But I, it should be clear that I do not follow the world's way. We can genuinely love the way of the world. And I have. Whether it's money or TV or anything idle, it could be an idol in my life. Um, I mean, you name it. I think that we've all been there. And listen, you're going to have some bumps in the road, but that doesn't mean you love the world. Because I stumble and I get up and I repent, that's the, pa that's the pattern of, of Christ. I mean, that's not his pattern. That's not what he did. He didn't sin, but that's the pattern he gave me back to him. That's where mercy and grace kicks in. So if you struggle, well, join the crowd. That's, that's part of life. But we cannot love the world. And the way that I love God is by obeying him, by knowing him, by pursuing him, and by connecting with other believers in his body and serving in his body. Now, I still will deviate on my path every now and then. Can anybody relate? We sometimes take a wrong turn. Anybody here ever taken a wrong turn and you didn't mean to? Well, I've taken wrong turns and not meant to, and I've taken wrong turns and meant to. Done them both as a spirit-filled Christian. It happens. But do I continue to go down that road? Or do I hear the Spirit of God who immediately will start talking to me? Do you know that the Spirit of God will talk to you? If you'll listen, I guarantee you, even if you're, if you're saved and you're so caught up in sin, I guarantee you the Spirit of God's talking to you. You're just not listening. You just think for a minute, man, I did feel bad when I did that. That's the Spirit of God trying to help you out of it. Listen. Stop and listen for just a minute. Yeah, but it's hard to say no. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Habits are some of the hardest things to break. They've done studies that have shown that um, people can, can lose the ability to, to have any future memory. You know, you have a head injury or a disease that, that kills a part of your brain and you can never take on a new memory. But that people can be taught habits even though they can't be taught a new memory. 
but be taught habits with no ability to develop that memory and be able to do that habit every single day forever. A man was put in a house, a new house, that could not develop a new, uh, develop, uh, a new memory. So he got asked, how do you get food? I don't know. Where's the kitchen? I don't know. Well, how do you eat? I don't know. But when he got hungry, he got up and went to the kitchen and found the nuts and ate. But could not explain how he knew. Habits are hard to break. They're hard to break. And you need help. You need help. I'm reading a book called The Power of Habit. And it's just unbelievable how difficult it is to break a bad habit. It is a, it, it's, a, it's a thing that God has placed in us to be able to do things over and over without a lot of thought. But that can be corrupted to where we do the bad things over and over and over and we don't know why we keep doing it. You can't explain it. It's because it's in your mind and you're not even having to think. It's just happening. The world hates you. Good. It's probably a good thing. If the world loves you, uh, maybe I'm off. Maybe something's wrong. So what should our attitude be? Knowing these, these plain facts and statements of Scripture. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has crucified, been crucified to me and I to the world. Deep statement there. Never let me boast. Let Never let me place any confidence in anything. But ultimately, but by the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me not boast in my education, in my ability, in my religion, in my strengths. None of those things. My only safe thing to boast on is on Jesus and his cross. The only reason I have anything. The only reason I am here today and not dead in a ditch is because of the mercy and grace of God. I can't point to any credit to me. Now, uh, as Pastor Justin said earlier, you know, we're, we're basically a blade of grass. We are insignificant compared to God. But we are not insignificant. We are significant because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And because he is in us, then I have the ability to do anything. But it's solely based on him. If you're good at something, it's because God gave you that gift. To the saved and to the sinner, the only reason that lost person is great at something is because they were gifted by God. It doesn't matter whether they believe in God or not. God still created them. Can you imagine the creator arguing with the created? I mean, he wouldn't argue. God's not arguing. God's not all up in their face saying, you know, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. No, no, he, God knows he's God. God knows. And the, un, the, created, the created one doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they don't believe, but they've been gifted by God. Even the unsaved have been gifted by God. Why? Because they were created by God for a purpose, for him.
for that unsaved person to find him and to choose him and for God to love him. God does love him. God created him. God loved me before I was ever saved. We cannot boast in what we have. Even if we're awesome, we can't. It's because of him. And let me tell you, you're awesome. Y'all are awesome. And it's all because of Jesus. And why he would pick you out of the millions that do not know Jesus. Why would he pick you? Grace. Mercy. I don't know why he picked me. I don't care. I'm just glad. Aren't you? The cross is an absolute mark of separation between the people of God and the people of the world. When we accept the principle of the cross in our lives, we no longer belong to this world. John chapter 16, verse 33. We get a promise here that says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Uh, it's the song that uh, Zach went into at the end. Sin was strong, but God is stronger. He has overcome. And it is his will. Hear me, church. It is God's will for you to overcome. Think for just a minute about a will. A last will and testament. It has been written... It is God's word that you be an overcomer. God's written about you. And it's that you overcome. Doesn't matter how huge the thing is that you're facing. You know what's awesome is if it's something huge you're facing, then you must really be awesome. Because you're called to overcome that thing. You're not called to lose to that thing. You're called to overcome it. And then go tell somebody about it. That's what we're going to be seeing over the next few weeks on Sunday. You've overcome, some of you have overcome something great. And it's time you tell it. Because there's so many people that need to overcome. But you know, you're facing something huge. Well, you must just be awesome. Because you're called to go take that thing on and win. And you've got God with you. That's good news, isn't it? The world's not our friend, it's our enemy. We're going to have trouble, but God has overcome the world. Through him, we can overcome the world if we are willing to go out to him outside the camp and bear his reproach. All right, uh, step 11 on AA. This one's awesome. I just found myself looking over it and just thinking this would preach better than my sermons most of the time would preach. Um, Saw it through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and for the power to carry that out. Now, do you, do you grasp that? Seeking through prayer and meditation to grow closer, to improve our contact, to grow closer to God. 
through prayer and meditation, actively seeking, pursuing, moving. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's basically what this is saying. Seek God. Praying only for the knowledge of his will for us. So we want to know, do you remember from Sunday, we talked about purpose and being able to relate to that purpose. We, we should all accept that God has a purpose for us. If you don't know that, God has a purpose for you. You're not out here just to run around like a chicken with your head cut off and hope you wind up at the pearly gates. Nope, there's a race. We have purpose, but we need to know that purpose and then pray that God would give us the power to accomplish that purpose. Do you know that's his will? That he give you the power to accomplish that purpose. Scripture also tells us that no temptation that's hitting you is too big for you. You won't be tempted more than you can take. Hey man, I'm being tempted a lot. Well, again, you must be a strong dude. God, I can't hardly take that. Lord say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you believe my word? Do you believe me? Yeah, my word says you can. I say, the throne of God, from the throne of God says, you can. I believe in you. I believe in you. You can. Maybe not by yourself. Maybe with some help. But you can. Isn't that good? All right, y'all stand up with me. Let me pray over you. Oh, let me not. Pastor Justin.